As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Before we jump in, I want to tell you about New York Times Audio, a new iOS app for New York Times news subscribers. It's got The Athletic NBA Show, plus all the other great podcasts from The Athletic, exclusive shows, narrative articles, and more. New York Times Audio. Download it now at nytimes.com slash audio app. I do have a take. Point of contention. Uh, what are y'all talking about? Y'all hate. Stop hating. Welcome back to Point of Contention. Five topics, five minutes, five points of contention. I'm Andrew Schleck, not Zach Harper. I'm filling in. I'm also producing this show. Coming up, we've got Heat Culture, baby. We've got Spurs. Are they the best fit for Wimby? We got Nuggets Lakers. Who makes the postseason first? The Pistons or the Rockets? And we got Scoot at two. Subscribe to our new YouTube channel by searching The Athletic NBA Show or just click below where you see our name on the YouTube screen. Also, subscribe to The Bounce, a free NBA newsletter from The Athletic. You can sign up at theathletic.com slash thebounce. Today is May 18th, National Marvin Day. Jay, do you have a favorite Marvin? Maybe Bagley? Williams? Gay? The Martian? Definitely not Marvin Bagley. Uh, let's go with Marvin Williams. He seems like a really good guy. Okay. And he had a, okay. he had a good career. It was He was supposed to be like a superstar and never became that. But he had a productive long career yeah he had a very jeff green career also it was very sad when kemba walker wanted the celtics to sign marvin williams and they didn't and he was alerted in the locker room and it was like one of the saddest things i've ever seen (laughs) oh my god (laughs) he was he was so so disappointed because i think he thought they were getting marvin williams and who do you sign with that year? The Bucks, I believe. Yeah, and, that's right. I think that's right. And, yeah. and one of the reporters told Kemba, and it was the only time I ever saw the guy sat. <laughs> because of Marvin Williams. It's a great yeah. story for Marvin Day. It's a great Marvin story. Uh, in this corner, he covers the Celtics. He used to be the president of the Dylan Brooks fan club, and he awaits the arrival of Cooper Flag. 
It's Jay Sacramento King. Jay, uh, is there a team that you just did, if you were Wimby, that you would refuse to go to? Let's let's say a particular team drew number one. Is there a team that you would just say, nope, not doing it. I'm Victor Wimbanyama, not going. San Antonio. <laughs> oh yes, San Antonio. Early, yeah. I, I wouldn't be going to San Antonio. Nope. And I don't think he thinks that way. I think he's excited to go to this first for whatever yeah. reason. Maybe maybe he's got some Greg Popovich love. Maybe the Tony Parker connection is driving him to want to go to San Antonio. I believe he was excited when the Spurs won the lottery. But but me, no, nope. no. Sorry, sorry. Respect to Greg Popovich, but I'm not doing it. I'm not going to San Antonio. I'm not playing with with the guys they got there. Nope. I'm out. I love it. And in this corner, he now covers the Heat permanently because the Heat are never losing a game ever again. It's Will Guillory. Will. Oh, wow. I I missed a Stevie Stevie Francois because Steve Francis was the one who – Stevie Fran, I would have been Stevie Francois. You would have been Stevie Francois in in this situation. (laughs) Will, would you have refused to go to any destination if you were Wimby? Oh man, I think I might have been Houston. I'm just, I'm just so out on everything Houston and just that culture uh, and just everything they got going on. They got a bunch of guards who hate the pass. Uh, I would have just been really angry watching Wimby jog up the court and, and looking at KPJ jack up three pointers. That just would have hurt my basketball soul. So I'm, I'm glad. I think he was happy he didn't go to Houston. If you see the reaction going around on Twitter right now, and I agree with him that we uh, uh nobody wants to see him in Houston playing that garbage brand of basketball they play out there. Uh, and yeah, I guess I gotta be the uh, since Zach isn't here. I guess I gotta be the obnoxious. Uh, heat culture guys so i'm stepping in i'm filling the void i'm giving eric spolster all the the uh, the praise so so i'm ready to, to 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 step in and do my job this pod well that's a great transition because that gets us into take one heat culture takes game one jimmy butler and the heat took game one of the east finals in large part by outscoring the celtics 46 to 25 in the third quarter with jimmy and max Struess combining for 25 of those 46 points Jimmy Butler was the best player on the on the court last night. 35 points, five boards, seven assists, and six steals. Holy smokes. Uh, Jimmy was asked this post-game. Jimmy, I would imagine that you don't feel like an eight seed. You in the heat. That you don't this doesn't feel like you're climbing mountains and knocking off favorites and, and all those kinds of things. Uh, that's a question. Well, I, it's the start of a question. Oh, okay. Well, what's the question? <laughs> Just the, the, the question is, um, how do, how does this feel to you guys, what you have done so far? And if you go back all the way to that night against Chicago and the play-in, did you think then that something like this would be possible? Damn right. I did. Damn right. We did. Um, and the best part about it is we still don't care what none of y'all think, honestly speaking. Um, we don't care if you pick us to win. We never have. We never will. We know the group of guys we have in his locker room. Um, we know that Coach Bo um, puts so much confidence and belief in each and every one of us. Coach Pat as well. And so our circle's small, but this circle got so much love for one another. Um, we pump constant confidence into everybody. And we go out there and we hoop. We play basketball the right way, knowing that we always got a chance. 
Jimmy's got supreme belief in his squad, and rightfully so. They're in the East Finals, surprisingly. But but Jay, was last night's win more about how the Heat played or the lack of adjustments, aggressiveness, spacing from the Celtics? The Celtics thought this was going to be sweet. They thought it was going to be sweet. It's the Heat. It's the Heat. It's Jimmy Butler. It's Eric Spolstra. You cannot come out in the third quarter. And I thought it started even before the third quarter. Like, right away, first quarter, they let Bam get to the basket a few times. They let Jimmy just walk into wide-open jumpers. I don't know why Robert Williams was standing so far back in switches and not even trying to disrupt the rhythm at all. It started early, and then third quarter, they come out like, you know what? We're up 12 already. It's 71-59. This game's over. You know why it's not over? Because it's Jimmy Butler, because it's Miami Heat, because it's Eric Spolstra. Two minutes, 24 seconds later, it was tied, and then shortly after that, the game was... Not over because the Celtics still had a chance late and squandered that, but they thought it was going to be sweet. They thought it was going to be easy. And man, you cannot underestimate this Heat team because they will take it from you if if you do. Yeah, and I thought this game was just a a, a perfect combination of what we always expect from Jimmy Butler still in game one at your crib. We've seen it, you know, series after series this year. He did it again in Boston. And we've seen the roller coaster with that that Celtics team. is like they look amazing and then they look like everybody's just standing around watching Tatum go one on one. And when you play against a team like Miami, it just don't work. You can't do that. And then you give up 46 points in the third quarter. I mean, I love Heat culture as much as the next man, but we shouldn't be looking at the Heat to drop 46 points in one quarter in your crib against no. any team that has hopes of winning a championship. It was just an awful, you know, second half for the Celtics. Just, just, just so much going wrong. They're throwing the ball all over the place, taking bad shots. Uh, Jason Tatum takes zero shots in the fourth quarter. Uh, Marcus Smart went from double-digit assists in the first half to what I think one assist in the second half. It's just, it's just all bad. It's just, man, the Celtics team was just so confusing because when they look good, they look so good. And then when things go bad, they just fall completely apart. And the thing we know about this Miami team, they're just steady. They're just going to keep coming at you. They're going to make their adjustments. They're going to find a way to get Jimmy going. And they're fearless, man. And they showed if you just sold just one ounce of slippage, you give them a crease, they're going to bust through that door. And now you're staring at a, a, a 1-0 deficit if you're the Celtics. And, man, over the last two seasons, Jay, correct me if I'm wrong there now, 10 and 10 in home games in the playoffs. I mean, if you're going to be a real championship contender, you're 500 at home in playoff games. Uh, just, and again, yeah, when wild. Boston looks good, when Boston looks good, they look amazing. We've seen Jason Tatum drop 50 in a game seven. We know Jalen Brown is an all NBA caliber player, uh, but it's just, man, I just head scratching just the way they blow these games at home in playoff situations. The last play of the third quarter was unforgivable, utterly unforgivable. It looked like Al Horford and Malcolm Brogdon just had some sort of miscommunication where Brogdon thought he was supposed to be guarding Cody Zeller. Why would you switch that? Why would you guard Cody Zeller there? And then Kyle Lowry's driving the paint, and instead of recovering to Max Struess, who's a really good shooter, 
Brogdon goes to take away Cody Zeller at the three-point arc? Why? What, what are you doing? Know the game plan. Know the personnel. Even if you don't – even if you had not even come up with a game plan, even if they had not scouted those guys for a second, <laughs> you know do not close out to Cody Zeller. He doesn't matter. Yeah. Go to Max Drews instead. Like, you that's it. A, you just have to know. And If you and see they a bald dude with a face mask, you don't close out to him. I don't care if you've never seen Cody Zeller play. 100% of the time. 100% he, of the time. He hadn't made a three since April of 2021. And Malcolm Brogdon went to him instead of Max Struess. Like, what are you doing? Why? Why, 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 why? So, Jay, did the Celtics need to do this to themselves, though, to get themselves pumped up? Do they need to be behind? Is this how this is supposed to go? I think sometimes when they get into a new series, and Tatum talked about it after, like, this year about game one of the Milwaukee series last year. It's just a huge adjustment to go from Philadelphia which slows it down all the time, which wants to have stagnant isolations, which quite frankly, like faded in the fourth quarter a lot to yeah. the heat, which aren't going to fade. Absolutely aren't going to fade. They're going to keep coming at you no matter what. And like, they force you to guard a lot. E- even when they go to Jimmy Butler in isolation, it's like he's coming off two different screens to get the isolation. And then they've got, you know, screens going on the weak side and they just make you guard a lot more than Philly did. And Philly was really tough to guard in different ways. But I think the adjustment from series to series was just a, a really pretty drastic one here. And, and the Celtics didn't do a good job of it. Even in the first, first half, like they shot really well. They scored 40 points in the paint, but it was more that they were just, getting layups and they were actually playing like tough good basketball so i I feel like i just gotta show some love to jimmy butler too i mean just another spectacular game from him both ends he was just locking tatum up in the in the second half had the crazy three-pointer that bounced like 10 feet in the air and dropped in to ice the game i mean that dude it just has ice in his veins he just fearless steals late the two he ended up with six lane. steals for the game. I mean, just he was just unbelievable in this game. And we talk about we joke about heat culture and all of these random dudes who step up for them. Uh, but you know, that all is based on their belief in Jimmy Butler and his ability to step into these hostile environments and do what he did last night. And that dude is just spectacular, man. The way he's able to impact the game on both ends of the court, his decision making, and when it comes to his shot making, it's just always there. Uh, I mean, just uh, an incredible player. Let's move on to take two. Wimby in the tone. Of course, of course, when a generational player who happens to be over seven feet tall comes available at the first overall pick, it's going to San Antonio. And they won the lottery Tuesday night. This is obviously a good fit culture-wise, coaching-wise for Wimby. But what is next for the Spurs? Will, if you're the Spurs, do you build this thing slowly through the draft over the next couple of years? Or... Are you trying to add to this team right away in free agency and through trade? As a person who's uh, experienced this firsthand during the Anthony Davis era, the idea of trying to build up quickly and, and chase the playoffs just because you got a great prospect, it doesn't end well. I'm going to just let the Spurs people know. <laughs> Try to trade for Drew Holiday and Tyreek Evans if you want. I promise you it will not work. 
<laughs> build this thing up Tyree slowly. Evans. Oh my God, it was rough times in New Orleans. I was, I've seen some things down here, uh, but no, nah, I, I think the right they've been they've been doing it the right way in San Antonio, building up with these young guys, not investing a whole bunch of money in the Dejounte Murrays of the world. Just get some young core pieces to build around Wemby. I think uh, this is a whole different conversation. The way we're like turning Wemby into like the best player in the league before he even touches foot in america is is crazy yeah. to me I well, you're mean, right it's crazy it's, he's not gonna be the best player in the league he's gonna be the best player ever will best player in team sports <laughs> best best human since martin luther king in team sports uh, <laughs> i mean it's insane the dude is a teenager still i mean we gotta let him grow up a little bit and figure some things out uh so i think the spurs have been doing things the correct way uh letting young guys like devin vassell keldon johnson sohan grow up slowly, figure out their roles. Uh, there'll probably be some uh, pressure there with Greg Popovich. You know, the, the, the clock is ticking on the end of his career. I'm sure they want him to be involved in some type of playoff run with Wemby. Uh, but I say the, the the right thing to do is save those picks, build up your young guys, and don't rush it uh, because things are lovely now, but we're in a day and age in the NBA, man. It's a snap of a finger, and all of a sudden – these young guys get wandering eyes and they start having dreams in New York and L.A. And you'll be stuck right back in this position if you make the wrong decisions. You've got to be aggressive looking for the opportunity, but don't get too eager. Don't go out and just trade for the first Chris Stapps Porzingis you see. You know, Don't go out and then mortgage the rest of your future for Kyrie Irving. Like, Just take your time. Understand that you have a massive advantage over everyone else because you have this unbelievable prospect. Understand that he's under team control for a while now. And and yeah. you have time to get this right, to get the supporting cast next to him correct. Don't screw it up. <laughs> Don't like going after a second rate star or second rate stars around him and having them be bad fits that's that's the only way to screw this up otherwise yeah. let stay young flourish keep your draft capital and and wait for the right fit wait for an opportunity to pounce on a guy that can fit next to him and and just allow him to be great because i mean we can joke about the some of the stuff that that's come out about Wembenyama but he is the rarest of prospects, just a seven four freak who can handle, who can shoot, who's probably the best defensive prospect in I don't know how many decades. And and they already have not like super intriguing young talent, but a, a few young guys who should be rotation <laughs> pieces at, at the a very least. Um <laughs> And and they have pieces to go out and and build around him. Just just be patient. Just be patient. Yeah. And we saw it with LeBron in Cleveland too. It was like Antoine Jameson. It was Mo Williams. It was, and they never got it right because they were too urgent. Shaq, like, like you gotta you you can't get too eager when you have a young star because that's the way to get the young star to leave and to underachieve as a team because you didn't couldn't find the right pieces around him. 
we we've seen it in Boston. The best way to build around a young star is to get another young star to play with them. And I think that's the job for San Antonio. They got really good young role players there. They need that second star to put next to Wimbenyana, and that's when they're going to be a real contender. As much as I like Sohan and Keldon Johnson, those guys aren't that. So they got to find that second guy, and the best way to do it is through the draft. Uh, we've seen it over and over again. Uh, but if I could just have one aside, I, I just want to, you know, say tip a hat and RIP to the days where it was easy for sports writers like me and Jay King to skip the San Antonio trip because uh, none of us <laughs> like going to San Antonio. I'm just going to break the news to y'all. We don't like the river walk. We don't like that arena that is in the middle of nowhere. Uh, I, I used to love just seeing San Oh, I'm, I'm not, not going there. So we can skip that one now. I got to go to San Antonio. I got to find something to do on a Tuesday night when nobody's out in the, in the city just so I can see Victor Wimbenyana. So it was fun while it lasted, Jay. But now nah, we got to go to San Antonio, I guess, <laughs> and, and figure out what the hell to do. Yeah. I wasn't planning to just toast San Antonio today, but here I am. Here Stevie, I am. Stevie Francois. <laughs> oh, let's take a quick break, fellas. Uh, right after the break, we're going to talk nuggets. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. And we're back. Take three. The Nuggets take game one. The Nuggets have a 1-0 lead in the series against the Lakers, and Nikola Jokic was dominant for the first three quarters of this game. But something changed late in this one. It made me think a little bit differently about what the Lakers could do. The Lakers put Rui Hachimura on Jokic and allowed Anthony Davis to be the rover on defense. Uh, the adjustment nearly brought the Lakers all the way back, but the Nuggets were able to hold this together and prevail. Jay, how will the Nuggets adjust to this in Game 2? Do, do people think Nikola Jokic has never had a 6-7 forward guard him? Do they think he's never run into a team that has put a power forward on him and had right. a shot blocker roaming? Do, do, do people think that he's really not going to solve the Rui Hachimura problem? Like, are Rui, you, the are Joker the, are stopper. people kidding me? That's what me? they call him. That's I, right. could not, I could not believe the discourse after game one because Jokic had a, a few bad plays against that strategy like do, do, do you people really think the mvp is gonna let rui achimura just take him out of everything and, and granted the bigger piece of that strategy is having anthony davis at the rim as a second layer of protection and and that's where the nuggets need to approach it better they they need to find a way 
to punish the Lakers for having Davis sag off Aaron Gordon and be at the rim. But they've seen this stuff before. The Celtics do it with Grant Williams and have Rob Williams floating behind him. The the 76ers have done it with P.J. Tucker with Embiid at the rim. And, and both of those teams have had mild success, but it's mild and it's fleeting because this Denver offense is fantastic and they have solutions for just about everything. So if if I'm Denver, I wouldn't be too worried about that at all. I, I would make a few minor spacing adjustments to 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 use Gordon as a screener, to use him as a slasher, to get get him to punish Anthony Davis and use that strategy to open up guys for three, whether it's Caldwell Pope or Murray or Porter Jr. And the big piece after the first game to me is can the Nuggets stop the Lakers? And because I think the Nuggets are going to score in this series. They're going to score against anyone. That offense is just unbelievable. But for the first quarter, first half maybe, they were playing defense. And then they just stopped. And I don't know whether it was because they let off the gas because they were up so much or whether they're going to have significant problems with this Lakers team. We'll see. But they need to play much better defense moving on than they did in game one. Yeah, I agree with uh, what Bruce Brown said. I forget if it was after the game or the day after. And somebody asked him why so many people are doubting Denver. He was like, yeah, because they don't watch us. And I think a lot of these people who think Rui Hachimura is like Ben Wallace, all of a sudden, I'm going to let y'all in on something. (laughs) Whatever strategy you think works on Jokic, he's going to fry you. Whether you put a small dude on him, big dude on him, you switch, you front the post, you double him. It doesn't matter what you try to do against Jokic. He will figure it out, and he will make you look silly. And I think if they try to throw Rui Hachimura on him for 40 minutes this next game, he's going to make that man look bad. And that's just why Joker is one of the, the most dominant bigs we've ever seen in this game because he can he can, he can can find a way to be effective against every coverage, and he has the mind to read what you're doing and figure it out within the snap. So, uh, yeah, I, if anything, I thought as crazy as the numbers looked at the end of the game, I thought AD did a decent job against them, at least when they played half court. I think the biggest issue was Jokic was just flat out playing harder than AD during that first half. You saw him a few times just sprinting past AD. Now, Jokic, is, his sprint doesn't look like everybody else's sprint, uh, but he was sprinting there in the first half, and he was beating AD down the court. He had like, what, 20 rebounds in the first quarter or something like that. I think that's the big thing. AD needs to match Jokic's effort during the the, the start of game two to kind of match that and give them a better chance. Of course, you know, AD started hitting shots, and that gave the Lakers a better chance. But, nah, I think whatever strategy you, you try to use against Jokic, he'll figure it out. The biggest thing is always, what are you doing with Jamal Murray? What are you doing with Michael Porter Jr.? Can you find a way to play Aaron Gordon off the court? I think, like like Jay said, that's the one good thing about the strategy is maybe they'll get Aaron Gordon off the court uh, if AD can kind of lurk around the run. But still, I think Aaron Gordon is capable of knocking down those corner threes and forcing AD to come out the paint. It's just a matter of them switching up uh, what they are doing. So, yeah, I think the Nuggets are still the big-time favorite in this series. I, I think, you know, some of the shots the Lakers were knocking down in that fourth quarter, I'm not sure if they can keep that up consistently. Austin Reeves catching fire the way he did. I, I think the, the best thing they can hope to do is turn this into a half-court game, you know, force the, the Nuggets to walk it up the court, uh, maybe trick Jamal Murray into trying to play in some hero ball. 
Um, but yeah, if you're thinking that you're you're gonna trick Jokic or you know convince him that he can't dominate, uh, I, I promise it will not work. Yeah, this is what's insane to me. Everybody is so pro Lakers that they do this Rui Hachimura thing. That's all anybody wants to talk about <laughs> is this Rui adjustment. Nikola Jokic had 34, 21, and 14 in this game. If anybody on the Lakers had that, Against we wouldn't talk about anything else. Anything we would talk about else. nothing else. But because it was Nikola Jokic and it was the Nuggets, nobody's talking about it. It's a, it is absolutely insane it's it's insane he just he was 12 of 17 from the field you know what the adjustment could be shoot more and score 50 and have a triple double he had those numbers with a bad fourth quarter he didn't really yes. do much in the fourth quarter still had 34 20 and 14 so that tells you just how dominant he was in that game and he did it against the guy everyone was proclaiming the best defender in the world and anthony yes. davis which yes and, and he cooked Anthony Davis to the extent that they were like, nah, nah, nah. Let, let's see what Rui's got <laughs> on. Gotta try let's Rui. See, let's see what <laughs> Rui's got on. We're so pro Lakers that we like give the Lakers half a win after that game's over. It's like, oh, you know what? Right. I think the Lakers go Lakers are six, probably. Like, my that's... my favorite part of this series so far is just how spicy Mike Malone has been. Yeah. <laughs> he did you see his quote about D'Angelo Russell? Like, you know what's the storyline? D'Angelo Russell's been playing pretty well, and we played him off the court. And it's like, oh <laughs> man, that that's how you feel, Mike Malone. That's how you feel where you're where you're out there, not only just thinking this, but saying this publicly in your press conference. Mike Malone has a chip on his shoulder right now, and he thinks his team is awesome. And you can tell by the way that he talks, how how crazy he's talking right now how reckless he's talking right now he believes in this team to the fullest he doesn't care how how much of a target he puts on their back he thinks they're up to it and you could tell and and he's always like that a little bit he's a fierce competitor you could tell but but man I've never seen a coach be like yeah we play that dude off the court why aren't you asking me about that <laughs> so well, if if I had Joker in my corner, I'd be talking spicy too. I, I tell you that yeah, much. Yeah. I'd be feeling real For good real. about myself. Uh, but no, I love Michael Malone too because he's one of the few dudes left in the league who will just kill his team in post game. He'll come out and say they played soft. He'll say uh, they they didn't deserve to win. And so many of these coaches are scared to say anything about their team. You'll see Michael Malone calling timeouts during the game. He's just disgusted. With his team, I, I love everything about what he brings personality-wise. And they need that fire because we know Jokic is such a laid-back dude. And, and I think Malone brings some, them some of that that fire uh, that they need. So, yeah, I, I completely agree with Andrew. Everybody's, you know, jumping on the Lakers train because they had that one good quarter at the end. Uh, I think the Nuggets probably cruising game two. They got to figure out a way to deal with the LeBron, Austin Reeves pick and pop, though. Like <laughs> Coming up after the break. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Losers on lottery night. <laughs> Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Take four. Lottery losers. Oh, 
On Tuesday night, the Rockets fell from the second slot in the lottery to the fourth, and the Detroit Pistons fell as far as they could down to fifth from the first overall slot in the reverse standings. The Rockets are heading into year four of their rebuild after three losing seasons, and the Pistons have had four seasons of 23 wins or less with their last se- with last season of 17 wins being the worst in franchise history. With that said, both teams have interesting building blocks, Cade Cunningham, Jalen Green, and more. But Will, which team do you think gets back to the playoffs first, Pistons or Rockets? Uh, as I've said earlier in this pod, playoffs. I'm anti, the I'm playoffs. Anti, <laughs> yeah. playoffs? Well, let's start with the plan. Maybe we can we can <laughs> set the bar a little lower for these dudes. But not as I said earlier in the pod, I'm anti everything Houston. I hate everything that they're doing with that culture, the way that they play. Uh, so you could basically say anybody in the league, and I would have said them over Houston. Uh, but yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I just think it's just trash down there. They they play a trash brand of basketball. They they they're building a team in a horrible way. I feel bad for dudes like Jalen Green and Jamar Smith. I, I really like both of those guys and what they do. Uh, but I I just can't see them prospering in Houston. Uh, maybe Ime Udoka comes down there and changes a few things. He holds some dudes accountable. We saw him do it in Boston, calling out Tatum and Brown the way he used to. Uh, but yeah, the, the, what I've seen from those dudes, uh, it's just not good. And I also just want to pour one out for my guy, James Edwards. He, my man typed the word M- Wimbayana so many times over the past few months. And now yeah. he's, he's looking at Jairus Walker life, uh, for the next seven <laughs> years. Uh, so shout out to James. Hopefully he'll figure something out down there in Detroit to write about. Cause it's not great right now. The... Uh, th- this is a tough choice because <laughs> <laughs> these are two wretched, wretched squads that have just played some disgusting basketball Nasty. over recent seasons. I cannot believe what I'm going to say because I have been so disgusted by the way they've played basketball. I've been so – it's despicable – how many low IQ guys they have put in the same roster. I'm going with Houston. I'm going with Houston. I'm going with Houston. Is this the James Harden factor? Like what's going on here? Shangoon is good. Jabari Smith is good. Jalen Green might be good. Tari Eason is at least useful. I actually think they have a reasonable core. We've heard the James Harden whispers, and we know Detroit ain't going after anybody like like James Harden and, and getting somebody like that. They actually have a head coach, and Emu Doke is good. <laughs> and so, so that matters too. Who knows who's going to be Detroit's helpful. head coach? As it turns out. Uh, so – as, as much as I am shocked to say that I would pick the Rockets over another situation in the league, here I am, <laughs> and I'm backing the Rockets right now. That, wow. That's it. Wow. Wow. I, I would go Pistons, too, just because I, I believe in Cade Cunningham. I think he's yeah, obviously going to have to get on the court, but I think Cade is likely the best player on either of these squads. He's definitely the best prospect on either of the teams, yeah. 
Yeah, and I, I just think his leadership ability and because he is going to be a guy that has the ball in his hands, I think he, he's going to be able to control a lot for them. Now, if they can get some wings and stop bringing in centers, I think that they'll be – I think that they'll get it together. Um, but this draft is like kind of important for Detroit. Like they, they really need to hit on somebody, whoever that is at five. I think there are a lot of useful players in that range. There's no – Wembenyamas or Scoots or anybody out at five, but there's going to be somebody useful, and they cannot whiff on this pick. If they Killian Hayes this pick, it could send them into a, a longer tailspin than this needs to be. I mean, they're already heading into year five, and I know that Pistons fans are like, well, technically it's year four because no, it's not. It's year five. Okay. They cannot afford to miss on this draft pick. So I, I think that, you know, Troy Weaver's got his work cut out for him over the next, you know, month or so. And I think that's one of the, the more interesting things about this draft is I think uh, it's very rare to see so many teams at the top of the board feeling pressure to win next year. Whether you talk about yeah. Charlotte, Portland, Houston, Detroit, Orlando, all of these teams are picking the top five, top seven, and all of them are looking at it like we want to at least be in the plan next year. We want to bring in some vet guys, and we're ready to win now. We don't usually see that with a team picking number two in the draft. But Charlotte, with their LaMelo situation, they're feeling some pressure to, to at least start putting some more wins on the board. We know Portland is feeling a ton of pressure right now with Damian Lillard. I think the, the most likely scenario is they probably trade that number three pick, right, with hopes of uh, making a win-now move. And we know Houston, they basically told the whole world that they're tired of losing and they want to bring James Harden back and they want to start winning again. Uh, so I think that makes this draft extremely interesting where we, we know there are some really good prospects at the top of the board, but there are also some teams that are probably looking like we don't really want a 19-year-old that we need to develop for three years. We want to win right now. Uh, so I think that makes this super interesting on top of – Victor Wimbanyana going to one of my least favorite NBA cities. <laughs> just, just one more pile on on San Antonio. <laughs> just one more time. Take five. Hornets dilemma. Tuesday night, the Hornets were another team that had some lottery luck, jump, jumping two slots, the number two overall pick. Mitch Kupchak had this to say at a media availability post-lottery. I don't think that we are where we need to be from a talent level, but... We've got a lot more talent than we did two or three years ago. So I think that we can be a little bit picky and take into consideration not only overall talent, but position. Oh my gosh. The Hornets won 27 games and they're thinking about drafting per position. This this cannot be a that's, thing. This is that's the most that's the most terrifying statement that I've heard post lottery in a long time. Um, anyway, the Hornets have a very interesting decision to make. Does that mean they're drafting another center? Thing. Does that mean they do love centers? <laughs> right. Uh, LaMelo is their best player, their franchise cornerstone. Uh, but the player that's largely considered the second best player in the draft is Scoot Henderson, who is also a point guard. So, Jay, who would you go with if you're the Hornets? Scoot Henderson, Brandon Miller, perhaps a wild card with Amon Thompson? Where are you going? I would go with whoever I think is the best. <laughs> Unlike Mitch <laughs> Wait, you're not you're not drafting for a position at two? No. Wow. No. Wow, they're ready to go, Jay. They're ready to go. Absolutely not. However, however, the person I think is the best in that spot is Brandon Miller. And oh. I, I guess part of it is the position 
that he plays. It, it's more that he's 6'9", 6'10", has immense defensive versatility, can shoot, has some off-the-dribble game already, and he's very young, and guys at that size tend to develop that part of the game later on. I just think he's the prototype of guy that wins you games deep in the playoffs when when you need the 6'10 guy to to just shut down another team, get rebounds, run your offense. Those are the guys that that win today. It's it's the super quality wings, the guys with tons of size. It's not the point guards who can't shoot. And Scoot Henderson is is awesome. He's he's got like some Derrick Rose to him. He's yep. built like like a a Hall of Fame football player. He just just, Insane. just shredded. He looks crazy. like he looks like Shemi Ojale for for those aware of the former Celtics yeah. draft pick. Let's hope he shoots better than S- Shemi Ojale. SMU great. Shemi but, Ojale. But to have a point guard built like Shemi Ojale is insane. Yeah, and and, and there's a chance and and look like Derrick Rose won a lot of games. Russell Westbrook won a lot of games. You don't have to be an elite shooter to be a great player at the point guard position. I just think Brandon Miller has the same ceiling or a similar ceiling to Scoot Henderson and also has a higher floor because of the size and the shooting that he has already. Yeah, I think uh, it is very close between Scoot and Brandon Miller. I'm also bold enough to say if you have the number two overall pick, you should just take the best player on the board. Um, and I probably lean a little bit more towards Scoot, just to be honest. I think just having an explosive playmaker, a dude who can get into the lane and create, uh, I think is really valuable in today's NBA. So I probably lean Scoot. Uh, but I do also think it's a very interesting situation for Charlotte because uh, we're not just speaking in a vacuum here. We're talking about a team that has a Miles Bridges situation going on. Uh, and now you're bringing in Brandon Miller and some of the baggage he has with him coming from Alabama. I think that's maybe added to your uh, consideration. If you're Charlotte, you already got to answer Miles Bridges questions. Now you got to answer some Brandon Miller uh, questions as well. I think that might factor into their decision here. Uh, again, like I said earlier, you got a LaMelo situation. What does his future look like? How excited is he about signing an extension in uh, Charlotte? Maybe you give yourself some insurance by drafting Scoot Henderson and you're more willing to move on from LaMelo Ball in the future if you have another point guard of the future. Uh, so Charlotte, I think, is a in, in a very tough position because I do think it's really close between Brandon Miller and Scoot. Uh, like I said, I probably lean Scoot, uh, but there's a lot to consider for Charlotte. And I think they're, they're less excited than most teams will be in their position just because they got a lot of baggage to deal with right now. Uh, and I, 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 I'm not sure how to handle it if I was in their position because, uh, of course, you want the talent of Miles Bridges on your team, but there's a lot going on there. And I think that factors in the other decisions you make around him when you have a situation like that, uh, that can that can be really nasty. And, you know, there are probably going to be more details coming about about that in the future and how you handle that uh, is going to be very difficult for that franchise. Yeah, there's yeah, there's a lot of questions for the Hornets. I think I go scoot. I think that. 
you can play those two together, he and LaMelo. I think that they've both Scoot played off the ball some for the Ignite, and then I think LaMelo with with his shooting can play off ball. But um again, you know, they, they missed out on Anthony Davis. I think that they were they were hopeful back then and they got the number two pick. Let's just let's just don't Michael Kid Gilchrist this draft. Like you just gotta get somebody good. And I think Scoot. Kid Gilchrist was okay for a little while. Was he? <laughs> was he? Yeah. Was he? His shot Ugliest was never, jump shot never beautiful. In history. <laughs> it was never beautiful. He really it was so broke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there it is. It's just I. It's just I can't. I, I literally can't like even Kid do it. Chris today. Yeah, <laughs> I've had this stance in the past. I miss the old days where guys had ugly jumpers in the every in the NBA. It's it feels true. like everybody's got like they're a shooting coach on the side now, and they got the perfect elbow tuck. I miss the Sean Marion days. Yeah. The uh, Chuck Hayes ugly free throw. I miss, I miss just having those unique looking jump shots in the league. Not everybody wants to shoot like Steph or Clay. Bring who's back ugly the, jump shots. Who's got the ugliest jump shot now? Oh, Mason Plumley, hands down. It's not even close. Yeah, He's, he goes lefty now too. That's that's the spigot. Yeah, it's nasty yeah. looking. But what, yeah. what about a guard? Like e- even. Even some of the guys who used to be good shooters would have funky form, like Kevin Martin. Yeah, that's another yeah, funky form. Yeah his, yeah, his shot looked like an elephant trunk. Pa- Pages, Pages was beautiful, but it was like he shot it from like like this. Reggie Miller, obviously one of the yeah. finest examples of just weird shooting form. But yeah, it's you're just right. another way that Steph has ruined the game. Steph has ruined the game. He just has, with man. beautiful shooting. I'm trying to think of a a gross shooting form that that works. Malcolm Brogdon hey, let us, let is a know. little funky. Malcolm Brogdon like puts it way in front yeah. of him, kind of. Yeah. Tyreek Evans yeah. used to have a nasty one. He used to like bring the ball over his head. Uh. <laughs> way too many Tyreek Evans mentions on this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> you can just... tell I'm a uh, I'm a part time Pelicans writer. Yeah, that's right. I fully take it over the heat beat. A, a scarred <laughs> part-time Pelicans writer. <laughs> it's it's very strange to be around a franchise that like wins in in April and May. Wow. I'm, not, I'm not used to seeing that uh, covering the team I've been around for the past seven years. Unbelievable. Uh, well, that's going to do it for this week's point of contention. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure you subscribe to all of our podcasts at the Athletic Podcast Network, where it's plus minus. Anything is potable, down to dunk, no dunks, glue guys, Sixers beat, and the bun and cardigan show. For Jay King, for Will Guillory, I'm Andrew Schlecht. We will see you guys next time.